welcome to some Derbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, games like Civilization and uh, Millennia in particular. But before we do that, I want to show the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Um, and the thing, I, I, I named this episode Civlikes because, and I think that's a bad name. For the same reasons that I dislike the term roguelike and souls-like. But it is also just happens to be really good at defining the thing that I'm kind of the thing that I'm kind of getting after. Um, this last weekend was Steam Next Fest. As part of Steam Next Fest, Paradox put up a demo for their new strategy game called Millennia. Millennia is following in sort of the tried and true footsteps of civilization. Um, and so we're at this weird kind of confluence where Civilization Six, um, Civilization Seven, Humankind, which we talked about on the podcast, I think two years ago, last year maybe, um, and then of course uh, Millennia are all sort of like on the horizon. Stuff is happening with them, right? I have long talked about these civlikes as a um, a stepping stone to bigger and better stuff, right? It's kind of how you know if you're really into. Uh, you know, I don't even know what I would say. Like, roguelikes. Maybe you start on Binding of Isaac, um, but you, but you progress, right? Um, maybe you progress into deck builders, like Slay the Spire, right? Like Astraea. Um, maybe you, you, uh, progress into other, you know, well-known, well-loved roguelikes, uh, Enter the Gungeon, um, or, you know, even something recent, like Cult of the Lamb, right? Um... Well, we're kind of in a situation where uh, now it seems as though the interest in Paradox, who have built this empire on strategy games, right? Incredibly deep, incredibly complicated, incredibly convoluted strategy games. You know, CK2, Hearts of Iron, Stellaris. These are some of the most complex games. You know, Europa Universalis, boy, one of the most complicated games you could probably ever even think about playing right um but their next strategy game title isn't imperator 2 right it's not um you know i don't know it's not i don't know it's not it's not Europe on any a number of five. other yeah europa universalis 5 yeah that's true i mean they did so many of the memes right they did vicky 3 right they did uh, ck3 um they uh they're going they're going and they're making their civ like they're making millennia um and I'm just really interested in that. I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. I've obviously been pretty down on civilization and civ-like games. Um, what is your? Do you have? Do you have like an overall like feeling or an opinion about them that you want to? Like, what's what is the what is the 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 mango opinion on civilization at this point? Um, I no longer find them compelling because we've talked about this before. Because the difficulty's fake. And, uh, and like, uh, like I, I, I enjoy playing them with other people, right? Like, not that I've done that in a while, but I would play a multiplayer game, but that is the only kind of, uh, level that I enjoy them at anymore. Um, and they don't hold my interest, but they are effective, like, effectively they're, they're board game, they're electronic board games. Um, and I right. think that's like the right way to think about them. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Um. Like I'm not as is that, is that also how you felt about humankind? Yeah, I mean I haven't gone back to humankind, right? Like you know, it, it's interesting too because like this is how I, this is very much how I felt about playing the demo of Millennia 
is like they all seem to be like Civ, but with a couple tweaks, um, rather than like something like very different, which is what I got out get out of like a Crusader Kings. Um, but yeah, what about you? What what are, you, what are your direct thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I I have always I've always sort of felt like I outgrew them when it came to either um, more intricate battle stuff, right? You know, so for instance, yeah. Total War is a good example of this. Um, Total War, the difficulty is also kind of fake, but like part of the difficulty in Total War isn't just the macro right of managing a well kept empire. It is the micro of fighting battles right right um and i would actually say that a lot of the difficulty when it comes to total war warhammer 3 um comes down to that battle right when what happens when you have a half you know an army that's fought two battles back to back pyrrhic victories right half your guys are dead and you're getting borne down on by a third full fresh stack right can you pull victory out of the jaws of defeat sometimes the answer is no sometimes you get stack wiped and you and you just kind of have to like deal with those consequences lose some territory whatever you know um but sometimes you can make those kind of like heroic plays where even if like you know most of your guys are 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 dead um you come away with the with the win with the with the victory um because of clever positioning or use of magic or you know any any of the the clever interesting stuff that you can do inside of the battle itself right um on the opposite end you have Hearts of Iron or Stellaris or, um, you know, like CK3, which are sort of these games that are built around um, asymmetrical gameplay in a lot of scenarios. Yeah. Um, I would say Stellaris like, isn't exactly asymmetrical, but like, yeah, but like, yeah, that's true. Part of the fun with CK3 is like, you can play as the Isle of Man and like, you know, grow yourself out from there, right? Like, you know, and deal with a game that is stacked against you. Like you said, it's, it's asymmetric. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, the, 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 I, I was talking about Hearts of Iron, I think, last week. I was talking about how um, the new Hearts of Iron DLC pack adds what are called focus trees for Brazil, Argentina, and Chile, right? And it's like, who the fuck wants to play Brazil in Hearts of Iron, right? Hearts of Iron is about World War II. Everybody wants to play the UK, the US, Japan, right? Germany, right? Like the Soviet Union, the the big Axis and allies yeah, kind or, of. Or maybe like um, one of the prominent allies, right? Like Australia, right? Like something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you might understand a, a version of things where it's like, oh, I'm going to play as the British Raj, right? India, right? Um, and do my best to to sort of hold back uh, Japanese incursions into, into my territory or whatever else, right? Um, and that's legitimately really interesting. That's legitimately really compelling stuff. Um, but uh, civilization doesn't have that because theoretically everybody is starting from an equal sort of playing field, even if there are strengths and weaknesses to like individual kind of like civs or whatever else. Um, and that weird equilibrium just kind of shows that this is when AI difficulty does bother me because the thing is, is that like me and another civ are supposed to be so sort of equivalent um, that I feel like I should be able to take on most other civilizations kind of one-on-one in most of the earlier middle stages of the game, right? Outside of some, you know, like if somebody's playing an early really aggressive Civ, like the Assyrians, I think, right? Get a really powerful kind of combat unit in the Bronze Age. And so they just declare war and they house people right up front. That's fair enough kind of thing, right? But it's like, if I'm playing the Germans, you're playing the Americans, 
both of us don't have our you know like our big crazy era stuff um that kicks in later in sort of the mid or late game um it feels like we should kind of be able to like fight it out and what you end up finding is that the ai is actually pretty stupid in civ um but it just gets a lot of extra bonuses to kind of make up for that right um whereas in in total war warhammer 3 the ai is also stupid um and the ai also gets a bunch of bonuses that you the player don't get but it kind of is a good thing because it's in service to these moments of kind of like heroic victory and being able to crush you know a, an army like an enemy army that comes out of nowhere um or you know 2v 2v1ing enemy armies because like you're clever that stuff works because it makes you the player feel really really clever when you're able to when you're able to pull it off right um when you're able to to fight back and and retake your capital after Cetra the Imperial, you know, the Imperishable shows up with a doom stack and like completely thrashes you, that kind of stuff, right? There's not moments like that in Civ. I don't I never feel those moments in Civ. Um and uh and yeah. so I I've just like for a long time found it to be pretty um I don't know. Yeah, I I, I wonder if part of that's just because like in like war in total Warhammer, um like the game isn't won as much on the Overland map. Like, that's definitely important. But, like, in Civ, the entire game is on the Overland map, right? There is no yeah. battle map. And I think it's easier to enjoy playing a tough AI um, RTS battle than it is to even one that's, like, stacked against you, right? Um, than it is to kind of, like, you know, have to fight against uh, uh, a a overworld map enemy who just isn't playing by the same rules. I think, I think part of the thing that also helps with total war Warhammer is that the, um, none of the, 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 the factions play by the same rules, um, in the first place. Right. And so like, it's a little bit harder to see the seams there. Whereas like, instead of everybody's playing by the same rules, except the AI is cheating. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually very true. Right. Because one of the things that's also very fun about total war Warhammer is like, you know, the kind of rock, paper, scissors, like the, the advanced 5D version of rock, paper, scissors you can get involved in, right? Where it's like, oh, the dwarfs just declared war on me. I need to deal with that. I'm going to make an entire army out of armor-piercing melee units. Or I'm going to, like, stack them with cavalry or something um, that can get into the back line and destroy their artillery pieces. So that kind of stuff, right? This allow this is a moment of strategic expression, right? But it's very rare that I have moments of strategic expression in Civilization because at the end of the day, all of the units are functionally the same outside of era-specific, you know, whatever, right? And even then, the era-specific units tend to just kind of, like, slowly upgrade over time such that it's, like, it's not even, like, I have to dramatically reconsider the way I'm approaching combat when we hit tanks because by the time we hit tanks I've been dealing with cavalry and tanks are just upgraded cavalry right there's really not a lot of difference there yeah no I, I actually I think that's a good point like there's not a lot of unit breadth and everybody has access to the same units so it's not like you can accurately kind of uh uh think about uh, you know accurately kind of predict like what you know if you know Genghis Khan comes at you um like and in like the modern era, it's like, well, he's going to have the three units that everybody has. So like, you know, have a balance and I'm probably far enough ahead of him that I can just ruffle stomp him anyway. Right. Like, um, yeah. 
And I do think that there is something to be said for outside of the combat scenario, right? Um, the internal mechanics of civilization or any of these strategy games to be kind of fulfilling in their own sense, right? This is what, in my opinion, separates sort of Stellaris and Civ. Stellaris is interesting and unique among strategy games, in my opinions, because it is more about rates than it is about absolute values. So in Civ, I'm paying a lot of attention to the absolute value of what I'm getting accomplished at any, you know, individual sort of like moment. Right. Um, so I am building a tank and adding it to my army and my army is probably six to 10 units. Right. In Stellaris, I am paying attention to the rate at which I am generating alloys, the rate at which I am generating energy. And I want those rates to be super high and optimizing for that system across a gigantic network of planets, right, that are all optimized in their individual ways and maxed out. And, you know, you have a research planet that has these kinds of bonuses, all of that stuff outside of the external politics, right, you know, and the need to raise a fleet and all of this other sort of stuff that management level is fun in the same way that like the management level of a like a, I don't know. Uh, you know, a, a city builder can kind of be fun. Um, the interesting thing about Civ is I would say that a lot of those internal mechanics are also similarly fun. Defining where my civilians assigned to a city, what tile they are working so that I'm getting the maximum benefit, right? Like that is an, that is an interesting and good way for the game to be structured. Um, how am I using my builders, right, to build infrastructure in my civilization? That stuff, right? Um, and so uh, if there is an upside to civilization that I am that I am in favor of, it is this sort of thing, right? You have no, you have no bad guy to fight when you're playing a city builder, right? Um, the, you know, you're not competing against anyone else. All you're doing really in a real way um is just sort of internally optimizing this system and i think if there's a place where civ shines it's in that vein yeah no i i i i absolutely absolutely agree with that yeah okay um do you want to talk about some of the differences that are, that are sort of cropping up in these um i am interested what was your what was it like playing millennia i guess um, so, like, from, like, a pure review point of view, like, I don't know when this is planning on coming out, but, like, it was very buggy experience for me, um, which, you know, is a thing that can be fixed, so I don't want to hold it too hard against it because it is a demo. Um, but, like, I thought there were some interesting changes, right? Like, I liked in concept the idea that, like, um, you know, the Iron Age could be the Age of Heroes or the Age of Blood, um, depending on fulfilling a couple of things. I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, not sure how I felt. Like, the tech tree isn't really a tech tree. It's, like, each age has, like, you know, five or six techs. And, like, when you get, like, three of them, you can start working on the next age. Um, but you can still go back and get the older techs if you want to. Um, and I don't know how I f felt about that. I feel like you'd want to see, like, the whole expanded tech tree to understand how that was happening. Um, I thought, like, a kind of handful of different experience things that give you things to do. I thought that was neat. Um but I'm not convinced it was like the most well implemented. Like I had a bunch of uh, a bunch of exploration experience, right? Um, but I only like I could, the only thing I could do is like buy scouts with it, and that was not particularly useful to me in that point in time. Also, yep. just like weird things around the edges. Like the game I played, I ended up losing because like I stepped my units outside of like the bounds of my uh, my city, and it caused the NRS to shoot up so high. 
Um, like I was so uh, that like they they rebelled and that was my only city at the time. So like it's like the game's over. <laughs> um, um, and like again, I think there's just like roughness around the edges that could be smoothed out. But I thought there were some interesting ideas there. But the whole time I could all I could think is like this is just like you know, um, RC Cola Civilization, right? Like. Um, some neat ideas, but nothing so fundamentally different that I would obviously pick it over Civ. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I There was a lot of stuff in Humankind that I like more than Civ. I probably think I like... I don't know. I haven't played Civ 6 in forever. I played Civ 6 on launch, and I probably played a lot of it, to be honest with you. I haven't played Humankind um, since we talked about it, probably. So, I barely uh, yeah, that game. I have in Civilization... I guess it's Sid Meier Civilization 6. It's got to be... Um, I have 120 hours in Civilization VI. That's a, that's a good amount, right? I probably played two or three games um, with that. With Humankind, I have definitely way less hours, right? With Humankind, yeah, I have 28 hours where I beat one game. Um, I beat my game. I was I, We did our episode on it. Um, and then I technically went back and I started a new game, but I kind of got a dog shit start and I didn't really want to deal with it. So I haven't actually played any more of it since. But there's a lot of stuff that I remember thinking or that I did in Humankind that I liked quite a lot, right? So for instance, the, abil the ability of you to make, like the fact that you, you colonize an entire region and the map is made up of these like regions and everything in that region is sort of like, something that you can exploit or work off of or use that was a really fun interesting experience right because i've always kind of felt that the the process of taking territory in civilization by either buying tiles or maximizing your, your culture or whatever to kind of like increase the window of your city is like an unfun sort of like piece of the puzzle um the the way that uh, that humankind did warfare where you sort of fight these battles um inside of the map itself this is actually something they, that comes from another paradox game um age of wonders um where you know you kind of fight these rts not even rts like the these turn-based tactical map battles on the actual map of the game mode itself and that map happens at a different sort of like place and location i thought that was uh that was a pretty neat innovation i like the idea of switching civilizations based on your age right you know and there's some stuff that you keep in that age and some stuff that you carry forward i thought that was all pretty neat and all pretty fun um but uh you know millennia millennia didn't hit me in the same way every time i kind of felt like i saw a difference between millennia and humankind or millennia and civ i actually kind of felt like i saw a bad difference right um it kind of had the the currency problem that we talked about with imperator when we right. played imperator and it was just mana is what it, i think is what actually people called it um it seemed like the most that i could do with stuff with these points like you said was like buy a unit right and i was like is this the principal way i built units right off the bat right like i built a scout right off the bat but i kind of felt like a moron for doing that i was like oh i if, you know if i had realized that i get one xp point for like uncovering the map or something like that i would have like actually kind of like gone f more for that or something um and i don't know all of that i thought was uh i don't know all i thought was pretty not great yeah, I, like with the with the like those mini battles, I was not a super big fan of them just because like, um, like it. I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of them, right? Like, um, 
this is like after you play like your first two games of Civ, you like turn off animations because it's like I don't need to see the fucking archers fire. I just want it to be done so I can like hit the next turn button, right? Um, and like not only that, but like when like you get a like, and this is again, it's more a technical issue than it is like a, like a gameplay issue. But like when you get attacked off turn, you don't. It doesn't actually play it. Then you have to click on the icon to see it, and you can't not click on the icon. You have to click on the icon to see it. So, um, and like the uh, like the the bars were not intuitive and like i thought i read the the the, the tip text but i i guess the blue bar is supposed to be like morale um and also like some of the systems like just kind of don't work together in the way that i would like like i was like okay i'm playing this game I will shoot for the Age of Blood. Like, I like Rome declared war on me. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to fuck you up. And I was like, one unit off of, like, you know, the Age of Blood. I'm like, all right, this is a neat idea. Let me see it. And I go to, like, I attack their scout. And the scout's morale breaks, breaks so fast that I, like, have to kill it over, like, two or three terms, even though, like, I should be able to kill it immediately because it, like, ran away, right? And I'm like, I'm not trying to push it back. I'm trying to kill it, right? Like, um, uh, and so it seems like some of those, like, systems just, like, like, I've seen this before in other games where it's like, oh, if, like, you know, the the thing that's supposed to mean you're winning means that you're like like actually can run counter to your your objectives as a player right like breaking the morale fast means you've won the fight easier but like maybe you just wanted to like execute them right this is like the way total war handles this is like you've won x to battle but if you want you can go run down their other units right like yeah um uh and so i like it feels like there's, like, rough... Like, again, I, I don't know when Millennium is supposed to come out, but, like, it feels like there's a lot of roughness around the edges in terms of, like... just kind of, like... My expectation is that Millennium is going to be out inside of the next few months. Really? My... The Steam Next Fest... You opt into Steam Next Fest. This is the back... This is, like, back-end sure. information. Here's how Steam Next Fest works. You, you opt into Steam Next Fest. You can opt into any of them. There's three of them per year. There's one in February, one in June, one in October, right? Um... They're four months apart, basically. Um, the conventional wisdom, the thing that I tell my developers, is go for the Steam Next Fest that is closest to your launch because it, that's when it matters most, right? You know, wishlist decay over time. If I put something on my wishlist and then it comes out six months later, you know, there's a higher chance that I'm going to skip it versus I put something on my wishlist two months, right? And and it comes out. It's like, oh, okay. I actually remember what this is. I remember playing the demo and I liked it. I'm going to buy the whole game, that kind of thing. I have definitely had moments where I'm like, you know, I get the email that's like, you know, X is out on Steam. I'm like, what? Why am I going to? Oh, I, I wishlisted this? What is this? Yeah, yeah. We call that wishlist decay, right? The longer, the longer something has been on somebody's wishlist, the more the value of that wishlist decays over time, right? Um, anyway, if Paradox is a smart publisher, I guess is what I would say, they would be pushing for a release date in you know like the next two or three months, right? Uh, because otherwise, they would have gone in the Steam Next Fest in June um, rather than the Steam Next Fest in February. Obviously, I don't have internal insight into their studio. Maybe they have some different plan that I can't you know like predict or account for. Obviously, I'm dealing with indies. They're in kind of this double A, triple A space. Um, but yeah, my expectation is that Millennia is coming out relatively soon, um, and uh, you know, in the next in the next couple of months, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was an April or May release. Huh? Yeah, interesting. I'm I'm looking because it's not developed by Paradox. It is developed right. by something called C Prompt, which has a 
another turn-based strategy game as their only other title uh, that was released in 2019 and has 82 Steam reviews. So, like, seems like a small developer that got, you know, uh, picked up by, by Paradox. Um, yep. I, th- this is not relevant to this if likes discussion, but, like, I am... I feel like I'm watching Paradox turn into like a bad, like a, a like bad big publisher. Um, like you know, some of the monetization around like the core titles and like some of the misses. I'm I'm honestly just waiting for them to like totally like for things to like go in such a way that I can be like if a developer or if a publisher acquires White Wolf, uh, then like that dev- that that publisher like starts to fail hard. Uh, I, <laughs> I just fr- finished the Frederick Knudsen down the rabbit hole. Uh, on Eve, I was like, I didn't realize CCP bought White Wolf. Uh, yeah, I also had not realized that CCP bought bought White Wolf. Um, yeah. Um, the interesting thing I think about that is uh, Paradox just had. You are not alone in that in that feeling, I guess. Paradox just had its like earnings call or something because I think um, it hit a. It was uh, a public they. It became a publicly traded company, I think, two or three years ago or something like that. Um, and it's down. Its initial valuation, it's down 87% from its initial really? valuation. Or something like that. This is just what I was reading on like the business end of, of, of things. Um, and so they shuttered Hairbrained Studios, though I think they sold the IP back. Of like Hairbrain Studios back to you know whoever it was, um, the Hairbrain behind the BattleTech game that I like quite a bit. Um, I've gone back to that a couple of times. They made a game called the Lamplighters League, I think, um, that just you know didn't didn't do anything. Uh, is uh, honestly, I actually thought, am I am I crazy? Yeah, I feel like I ha- I feel like that was one I either bought or had on my on my wish list. Yeah, 342 reviews in 2020 at the end of 2023. Um, not a great, not a great number actually. I thought it was at least like a thousand, uh, like a thousand uh, Steam reviews. Um, but yeah, so this is from Hairbrain Studios. These are the folks who did Shadowrun um, in earlier. I think they did Shadowrun in like the early 2010s. Then they did uh, BattleTech in you know whenever that was you know. 2018 2019 um and their most recent title was uh this lamplighters league uh this kind of adventure rpg this like tactics strategy adventure rpg thing um yeah it just seems as though the because of the way that um they have structured their company uh there is just like a lot of stuff happening that is, you know, a little, a little, a little complicated, I guess, when it comes to when it comes to my friends at Paradox. Yeah, no, I mean, and like, like I said, I think like the worst things I can say about the core products is the monetization scheme, but it's like not that weird. But like, it feels like they were not cut out to be the best publishers in the world, right? Like, I, they had success with like Magica, right? Like, I, that was like one of those games that like. Mm. was very popular. I was like, oh, it was published by Paradox. Um, but, like, um, it just seems like it's not, like, they're not in a good place as as a as a publisher uh, at, at the moment. But that is kind of orthogonal to our uh, talk here. It's actually interesting. I did not realize until I looked at the store page, like, you know, what, what was it, like, five, ten minutes ago, that it wasn't being developed by, like, the core Paradox team. Because um, this felt kind of, this to me felt kind of like a, oh, Paradox is trying to do a Civ-like game. Um, 
Yeah, because the currencies is such a paradox thing. This yeah. is a very paradox thing that Civ, I don't think, um, or even humankind really does, right? Humankind had influence. It had gold. It had whatever production kind of stuff. Um, you know, Civ has science and faith and, and culture True, and all this yeah. other sort of stuff. Um, but the the... The thing that I thought was interesting about Millennia was just like how many you had all of the different kinds of points on top of just production gold, all of that. Yeah, um, you have experience for like every domain in the uh, in the empire, I guess is the way to put it. Um, yeah, how do you feel about um, this? Is going to sound weird. The lore of a civilization game. Uh, uh, let me let me let me attack this from a different way. Um, one of the things I think is unique about these games, or interesting about these games, is that they are all like Civilization, Mankind, and Millennia. They all have this approach that's kind of like um, mythic lionization of the the our shared history as humans right even if the game itself might be about you know whatever like exploiting stuff and you know i don't know attacking um it, attacking rival civilizations i'm still gonna have sean bean read me an inspirational quote when i finish a research right um or i'm still gonna have i don't know what's another, what's another, like another good example of this i don't know it's just like that that no, no, to me levers. is like a, is the overall sort of vibe whereas stellaris europa universalis hearts of iron they all of these really avoid the that vibe right the vibe that you get out of stellaris is wildly different depending on what kind of empire you're running right yeah um uh and even something like hearts of iron i don't really even say that i think even hearts of iron or vicky or like europa universalis these are all d intricately based in history right these are all like deeply deeply affiliated with history i guess um but they're just kind of like more about like the narrativization of history and like the fun twists and turns. And sometimes that includes, you know, like signing the Molotov, the, the Molotov ribbon trov pact with yeah. like Hitler, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a reason that Germany's leader in, uh, in civilization, I don't think has ever been Hitler. Um, or yeah. Like, it's always uh, Otto von Bismarck, or, right? Or, yeah. Um, yeah. Or yeah. maybe maybe it's not up. Maybe I don't know. There's probably other ones, even but. in like five. You see, there I think it was five that let you like swap out leaders. Like they, it's always good ones, right? Like it's not like you know, um, it's not. Like, yeah, you nobody know, ever have... lets you play Andrew Jackson. You get to play Abraham Lincoln yeah. or Theodore Roosevelt or, or George Washington. Yeah, or like you know Emperor Tojo or you know Emperor Hirohito, right? Like, uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually kind of would love that. Could you imagine? Like, this is something Total War does. You can play the bad guys. Imagine yeah. playing a game of Civ and you just get to play like, I mean, I guess Genghis Khan is a pretty bad guy. Right, but when like, you think he, about he, it. like him or like um, who's who's the uh, guy that they always have for the Aztecs? Um, uh, Montezuma. Yeah, Montezuma. Right. Like you know, people like who like. Montezuma did like the human sacrifices, right? Like, you know, but like, no, it's never like, you know, it, it's never like, you know, you go to interface with Montezuma and like you hear like blood curdling screams, like blood drips down behind him or whatever, right? Like, it's always like the most positive, it's like the positive spin on, on those things, right? Um, yeah. And also, the, they've been getting more cartoony over time, right? Yeah. Um, in Civ 3, I feel like the leaders were, um, 
I don't even know if they were 3D rendered. They might have just been portraits, right? Um, but then, you know, in Civilization V, now you have these 3D rendered leaders, but they're, they're like, trying to be realistic. And then in Civ Six, you have very cartoonishly proportioned leaders, right? Um, who don't... They just don't work the way that... Um, they just don't like look like actual people. They look like they're on like a Cartoon Network show. They're right. like Clone High or something. Yeah, yeah. I was actually um, going to say the Gandhi reminds me of the Clone High Gandhi, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think that's actually pretty. It's like actually pretty interesting. Uh, it's funny, man. Could you imagine Hitler? Jesus Christ, Stalin. <laughs> In the, like that play... cartoony style, right? Like Hitler. Like you go to like diplomat Hitler. He's like. Right, like I like, would actually kind of like you know, like I I actually kind of think that I'm making the case that that would be good. I think I would like Civilization a little bit more. It would give kind of like a. It's sort of like I've described this problem with Wow Story, where all of the characters are good guys, right? You know, there's because everybody, you know, like there there's no there's no chafing, there's no friction. It's once we got rid of essentially Sylvanas as sort of like a faction leader, all of the characters are good guys who believe in, you know, peace and they want to do the right by their people and they're not, you know, like despotic pieces of shit, you know? Um, and so it's kind of funny, the idea of I'm going to play in my civilization game, I'm going to play George Washington and George Washington is going to kick the ever-loving shit out of Hitler, right? You know, or Genghis Khan or whoever, like whatever yeah. sort of like other evil, you know, evil guy. I've always also liked the alternate... Um, leaders, this is a thing that they added in Civ 6 that they never really did anything with, um, at least to my knowledge, um, which was there were multiple leaders for the same civilization. Yeah, I think so the was, civilization. I think, I think it like premiered in Civ 5, and I and last time I played six, Civ 6, I don't think they had it, but like it was like it looked like they had set up the system that they could add it later. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was, is that they had set up the situation so that if they wanted to, they could add it later. And maybe they did in DLC that I have never played, because I don't think I've ever gone back to Civ Six. Um, but yeah, I always thought that that would be interesting, because that's like that's a little bit like Legendary Lords in in like Warhammer, right? Yeah. You know, in Warhammer, you are playing the Legendary Lord who has these mechanics and has this starting location and you know like focuses on this part of the roster or army or whatever else. Um, but uh, but he's part of the overall race. Right. So you're still playing the Chaos Dwarves, but playing, um, you know, Zatan the Black is different than playing Astragoth Ironhand, I think is what his name is. Right. Um, I feel like you could do something similar. Right. You could have George Washington. You could have Theodore Roosevelt. You'd have like JFK. Right. You know, and they would all be focused on a different sort of aspect of like the overall American Civ. Uh, yeah, no, um, and <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, like, <laughs> yeah, um, I was uh, trying to think, I was trying to think of like a Abraham modern Lincoln? president. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Abraham Lincoln would have been, been okay. I was thinking, like, what is a founding father's president? What's like a middle America president? What's like a modern American president, right? Um, I would say, I think, you, I think you have to keep away from like any real modern politician because, like, you know, maybe you could go Dwight, you could go Dwight Eisenhower, I bet. Yeah, I think um, you could do Dwight, but like, I, th I, think I don't you think you could do Lyndon Johnson. You people, like, it would be seen as political by, by the yeah. time you get to Lyndon. Yeah, Johnson. I mean, like, you know, like I was saying, like, any, anything that's like in the modern age has like too much of like how uh, a political bent to it which i you know uh, <laughs> ronald reagan <laughs> 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 he's still alive no 
I'm sorry. I can't get swept down this no, rabbit no, hole. You know what? There no, are a no, lot of no, world no, leaders that would be super Obama fun. with like cartoonishly large ears and like. Yes. <laughs> what would his mechanic be? His unique unit would be drones. <laughs> 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 No, it's just like Donald Trump is like, you know, oh, God. border wall. Like, like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's actually, that's actually really funny. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. Whew, there's a lot of jokes you could make about this. I feel yeah. like I could do this for like every like, mo you know what I yeah. mean? Like think of all the Putin jokes. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, no, no. I, honestly, when you said modern person, I was like, what are you going to make like the, the leader of Argentina, Javier Malay, right? And like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we get away from this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go down this path. The point I'm making is that all three of these games have the exact same approach to history, which is this like mythic, I would almost call it like a history class version of sort of, um, you know, oh, the shared triumphs that the varied cultures yeah. of humanity have, you know, even in their strife, they've, they've figured, they've fig like figured shit out. Honestly, you know, it's funny. I think one of the things that got me to stop playing Civ 6 and I think about it, I did play one expansion. They had an expansion called The Gathering Storm. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember because, like, they put up a stream for, like, 48 hours beforehand that was just, like, a tornado, right? Like, I was like, <laughs> I wonder what this is going to be, right? Like, but anyway, go on, yeah. Yeah, and the mechanics of the game is, it's climate change, right? It's when you industrialize, there's all of these negative effects associated with, um, you know, like, you burning coal plant or whatever. And it's interesting because, like, Civilization has always had pollution. Right. Pollution always mattered in civilization. Um, it's funny because I remember um, in an old civilization game, I sort of figured out what I think it's civilization call to power. So I'm thinking of um, you'd have multiple sort of units on a on a tile at, at one time. You weren't you weren't like locked down. And so I had these gigantic armies of workers who just cleaned up pollution. That's all they did. They just sat on tiles and they cleaned up pollution because I just had like the most insanely polluting empire. And I was just like, well, fuck it. I'll clean it up. You know, the, the workers just get rid of it in five turns kind of thing. Um, but Gathering Storm changed a lot of that, right? You have sea level rise um, that, you know, that that's like a mechanic that you can deal with um, and all this other sort of stuff. I kind of hated that mechanic. I kind of hated that expansion. Thinking like thinking about it in post, just because like it just kind of made the game worse to 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 play. Like industrialization is so good in terms of output for what your for your sieve, right? That there's this weird dissonance between what am I going to fucking do? Not build the coal plants and let those guys build the coal plants and it's like man i am not prepared for like the geopolitics of this right? yeah i would say like, like that's like that's a real thing right like you know like industrialization of kind of like um uh they're, they're technically third world countries but like not in like the kind of you know uh developing countries i think the the the, the, the better way to put it right like, yeah 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 you know that's the thing that's happening right it's like developing countries need to do this to like launch themselves into like you know to be peer countries and like no one wants to be like no you can't burn coal because you have to be poor right like you know but like you like yeah. you said like that's not like a fun thing to have in a video game uh 
Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of like there are there's friction that that happens in games. I mean, I have we, I have lots of thoughts about like friction, right? Um, I think you know underneath a lot of some of this ways that I talk about some modern video games, it's sort of this like I don't know, not like people just hate friction a lot these days in their video games, and so a lot of the uh, a lot of the complaints that you will hear about games come down to this thing is friction and I don't, and I dislike it, but I don't think that that's like real. Um, but there's kind of good friction and bad friction. Good friction would be like the crises in Stellaris or total war, right? You have a powerful empire, you reach Endgame. Here is this huge, massive, like empire level strength that is going to oppose you and come after you kind of thing, right? That's fun to deal with because I have, I have good interesting ways to combat it right I build a huge fucking fleet of super powerful ships and I take my titan and my you know movable shipyard and my battleships and all this stuff and I sail them out into you know space and I beat back the and I beat back the crisis dealing with climate change in civilization six is not like that it's is the, is there a way to interface with it? I don't even know. I don't know. I I didn't actually end up playing the expansion. Uh, okay. Now I'm, I really want to play Civ Six after this. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I want to like go back and sort of like see how some of this stuff like plays out in practice because I wonder. I just I don't know. I wonder. Maybe I would think it's good. Maybe I think it's good friction. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I would think it's bad friction, but you know. Yeah, and who knows what it's like now, right? Like you know, yeah. they, they've probably there's a bunch of you know expansions that. I was looking at it. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff there. In Civ Six, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of DLC. Uh, oh, 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 oh. I understand. Yeah. What is there? Yeah, what is their DLC? So the other thing about Civ Six that's interesting um, is, uh, oh, interesting. Um, it um, they have these monthly scenarios now. Do you do you know about this? No. They have this monthly thing where they publish a scenario. Um, it's almost like uh, it's almost like seasonal content, basically. Uh, and the scenario is you get placed in a certain like date and time and year and like leader, and you have to like beat the scenario, right? So I guess the most recent one. Um, I was just looking at this. This the January challenge of the month is Robot Revolution. Um, take part in Civ 6 monthly challenges and seem to earn unique Hall of Fame badges. Today, we're excited to share that the next monthly Civilization 6 challenge, Robot Revolution, is now live. Um, uh, the current events, do you have what it takes to ensure your, your civilization's survival for 100 turns in a frozen post-nuclear future? From now until February 13th, you've got the chance to prove it. Oh, and did we mention the robots? Resources are sparse, disasters are intense, and giant death robots are a constant threat. Your memory of life before the robot takeover is fading, but parts of the world are still known to you as the Prime Minister of Canada, Wilfrid Laurier. Uh, will you scour the frozen wastelands for resources? and remnants of the old world or hunker down and hope to outlast your opponents interesting huh that that feels like a thing that i'd, I'd like maybe be more interested in because it's like scenario design instead of like you know the general kind of like well i'm doing the same thing that i always do type of deal that is very yeah. cool um, yeah it's like i used to like to play world world map setups um did you ever do that no, but I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, like in Civ Five, you could toggle a thing where um, 
you could play on a on a world map that matched the you know the world of the actual world earth basically yeah and um and, but the interesting thing that i liked about it that i thought was cool and it's funny because i used to play this man i must have played this in like 2012 2013 like before total war came out but would eventually do the same thing right um the idea was that if you were the americans you spawned in you know Washington DC, right? If you were the UK, you spawned on the British Isles, right? Um, and it you what what I would do is I would play whatever I wanted to play. Um, I played Rome a lot back then. I don't know why. Rome is like a fun the, the idea of a Roman civilization is very fun. Um, and I played Rome and uh, and then I would list all of the other ones as random. All of the other civilizations as random. So you didn't know who you would get with you on the continent right uh, like sometimes you would be rome and the french are right there the germans are right there but sometimes all of europe would kind of be yours to colonize but you would have you know whoever right like uh the the mongolians or china or the or the egyptians or something like that um who could bear down on you from from like the east that kind of stuff very cool yeah yeah oh, interesting um okay that's that's interesting. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe do we talk it? Did we talk this out? Is there anything? Yeah. More here? Is, is there anything like we ended up talking a lot about Civ? Is there is there anything about like the genre to talk about? Maybe like uh, I have one thing about the genre that I am interested in, which is um, the progression of technology. From it's it's interesting because most others of these games don't deal with this right outside of i guess technically a paradox mega campaign in a paradox mega campaign just for a reference you start by playing ck3 then you go to europa universalis then you go to um vicky then you go to um are you supposed to start Hertz with imperator imperator now can you start an imperator I, I don't know i don't know if that's like a, like is this officially supported that like you can import saves yeah yeah the mega campaign is real a lot okay. of people will play mega campaigns um uh but uh but yeah so that's what that's what like the status of like a like a, a theoretical equivalent sort of you know thing that covers all these different eras but those are you different games you can't import imperator to ck3 wow that's incredible actually that makes me want to play a mega campaign i don't know that i would get through a whole game of imperator though um um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like it's a third-party tool. Oh, okay. Is it like an officially supported tool? I don't know that it's an officially supported tool, um, but I do know that it's like the intention, I guess, is that you will be able to, you know, convert with your, your save from one to the other because at, at a certain point you're just doing world map conversion, right? Yeah. You're sort of tracking who starts where because they all have corresponding you know, whatever, and you just need to sort of tell the, you know, tell the thing what the state of your world was at, basically. Um, okay. Uh, outside of that, in Civ, you have this thing where you have to, you're playing everything from Bronze Age military skirmishes, like hoplites and spearmen and legionnaires and all that stuff, up to and through, um, you know, uh, 
fighter jets, right? Aircraft carriers, that kind of, you know, like all of, all of that kind of stuff. I have never felt like a civilization game outside of one that I said a couple of minutes ago, Civilization Call to Power, which is a pretty old game that I have not played in many, many years. But I remember this is this is like I played so much Civilization. I loved Civilization Call to Power. Um, I've never felt like any Civilization game uh, matched that sort of uh, feeling, right? Um it's in no way this is on Steam, right? Damn, Civilization Cult of Power 2 is on is on Steam for $4, but I want Civilization Cult of Power 1. Anyway, um how do you feel about sort of like the progression of warfare from era to era? Um it's like a mechanic. Um I don't know if I have a lot of deep thoughts about it, right? Like, it's, it's like, it's funny to, like, attack horsemen with tanks when, like, you know, you, you know, you're so far ahead of your neighbors uh, that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're that technologically ahead. But, like, um, I don't know. I felt like, I always felt like the combat in the Civ games was relatively, uh, relatively narrow because it was trying to do so many other things which is fine but like there's like not a lot of like we talked about this when we talked about like the war stuff right there's not a lot of tactical depth um right you know there's like three types of units maybe uh uh you know and so i i don't know if i, I if i have a strong feelings about it other than like you know i think that combat is like a weirdly like underserved system in the game maybe or at least that feels that way to me what, what do you think and it feels like it also blooms it like combat is only like even gets like vaguely interesting in like the modern eras when you can have like planes and like you know uh, you get enough unit spread right to like have yeah I think pieces. honestly my overall feeling is that units are not around like the the thing that I always want and this is one of the things that I think is in Millennia's favor because of how it works right in Millennia once a new era is sort of triggered you actually have like this cooldown of turns or whatever where it's like your stuff is going to take a while to kind of like, I guess I would call it activate, right? Um, but the interesting thing to me for um, something like Civ is this idea that like, I am going to build a bunch of units and those units are going to be relevant for this, you know, like for a certain amount of time in this era. Um, and then they become kind of like obsoleted over time. What I tend to feel like happens is in Civilization, my, I like when I'm in the process of building an army, I am almost instantly like fucked out of my army. Basically, do you do you know what I mean? Um, because I am teching forward and I'm teching, you know, into into like units that are going to replace the current units I currently have now. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I, I do, but I just upgrade my units when that's the case, right? Like, there's a button. I pay, like, some gold. I usually play, like, very money forward, so, like, it's, like, never a problem for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's less that it's, it's, it's not, like, a problem. This is, it's really what I'm describing is sort of, like, an annoyance, I guess. I feel like the, the arrows move so quickly a lot of the time that I don't have, like, the turns necessary or, like, the turns I want in order to be able to sort of, like, leverage this stuff. But, like, the only option, I guess, is to turn off the turn timer, which I have also historically disliked just because, you know, the game moves glacially slow when you do it that way. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I guess I, I guess I feel that. Um, do you, do you enjoy like the process of like, uh, like, like crafting an army, like something that I think is fun and engaging when it comes to, um, 
something I think is engaging when it comes to Total War is the idea of I'm making this 20-unit army and it's going to do some stuff, right? Um, when it comes to Civ, are you just spamming the most powerful unit or do you have, like, what like what are your sort of expectations? Yeah, um, for... It's been a while, Civ, but, like, I, I enjoyed it in Warhammer, right? Because, like, it has, like... Because units are relevant for the entire game, right? Like, yeah, you have to tech into the bigger ones, but the lower units are still relevant at points in time. Uh, for Civ, I just kind of, like, you know, I... Again, because it's, like, the, the... It's so narrow, right? Like, that I was never... Um, I never particularly liked it. Like, I always built what, like, I needed to to defend. And then, like, also, I was never trying to go for a military victory. I was always uh -huh. trying to go for, like, you know... Oh, I will, like, you know found a religion very quickly um, and like aggressively aggressively convert people um, type of deal right um, uh, or like focusing on other objectives so like I don't know I also like like we said right like it's it's because everybody has access to the same units it feels like there's no point in like crafting an army right it's like you gotta kind of have to be reactive it's like well the French are building like you know a lot of musket men right like I guess I will also build musket men because I don't really have another option, right? Or, like, maybe, like, you know, like, there's a, sometimes a little bit of rock, paper, scissors, like, maybe I'll build... When you when you get your era-specific unit, do you just, like, declare war? What do you do? I typically don't. I typically... Like, the way the way I typically play Civ is I'm trying to maintain peace and, like, win by not doing a war. Um, uh, but that's just kind of, like, me, right? Like, uh... I feel uh, like I'm. I, I always. I always feel like I'm leaving kind of money on the table. There's like an opportunity cost to not, like, if I'm in an era and I have, let's say, I'm playing Japan and I have samurai, right? Um, I'm gonna just fight. I need to fight, right? Like, I have. I have a unit. It's more powerful than than equivalent units in the era. I'm gonna start pumping out samurai and I'm gonna go to war with everybody. I'm gonna conquer a bunch of shit. That's normally what my thought process is like. No, and, and that makes sense. That's part of why I'm, I'm not as big a fan of the way that Civ does it because it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember we played like a multiplayer game, uh, like a maybe like ten years ago at this point. Um, where, the one like, where the, was this the one where you and Charles were fighting over my faith because I wasn't doing faith and yeah. you were trying to convert my yeah. cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had like rolled um, one of the one of the more aggressive civilizations, right? Like, and so it's like I guess I gotta fight because like my whole bonus is like you know war income, right? Like, um, yeah. And so I rolled aggressive with that, but like it's like not my exactly my play style. And, like, also, like, it's also weird in a multiplayer game because it's, like, if you win, one of your friends doesn't get to play anymore, right? Like, uh, uh, or, like, you know, even if you win, you, like, set them back enough that, like, you know, they're not, like, a real contender for the end of the game. Right? That's, that yeah. is actually how, like, basically all of my multiplayer, like, I used to play play-by-email with, um, mm -hmm. uh, man, with, with friends of the cast. I, I can't even call them friends of the cast because they probably don't know this cast exists ben parker and danny um yeah i remember danny the the famous diplomacy days of of, of yeah. backstabbing danny <laughs> yeah um uh yeah but uh, uh and i would play by email with them but like danny was very very good at civ um and like he's like the one that taught me how to like play civ like like to optimize play civ um because, uh, like, we'd be playing, and he'd, he'd be like, okay, my turn's and He'd be like, why are you taking, like, 30 minutes? And I'd watch me. And it's like, picking individual tiles to, like, manage. Like, oh, this is how you win this game, right? Like, um, yeah. Uh, uh, 
and uh, but like when we played by email, it'd be like you know, like the the one big game I remember. Um, uh, it was me, Barry, Ben, and Danny, and Danny took out Barry almost immediately, and I was like isolated on my own island, and so like. Danny just had more resources, and he out he like outscaled the both of us. Ben held on for a little bit longer, but eventually he's kind of like, okay, we're not playing anymore because Danny's, you know, it's a foregone conclusion, right? Like that Danny's gonna win. I feel like that's like with the way that like a lot of Civ games goes. Like at some point, it's a foregone conclusion that you're gonna win. It's just a matter of like ticking down the turn timers. Um, yeah, that's like that's the thing that you've always described unfun about PVE board games, right? Yeah, you know, like when we when we got to a solved state of the PVE Arkham Horror game that we yeah. played in PAX last year, right? Like that's when the game just instantly became unfun. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's why I like PVP games because like it's like you know there's there's always room to kind of like you know needle people and like kick them in the balls or whatever, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i also think that there are like other board games that are like better designed for for this kind of stuff in order to like keep it like equivalent or, yeah yeah or, like honestly solaris is a great example i've always had fun playing you know like our multiplayer solaris games um uh, just because solaris has a lot of options you you have way more sort of like ai stuff to deal with in the empires and like even if you beat some like even if you i go to war with you i can like puppet your empire you're still doing stuff right but you're not like knocked out of the game entirely yeah right? no, you're so just uh a temporary vassal to me. Same thing with, with Crusader Kings. I love playing Crusader Kings with people because, like, one, is very easy to, like, help, you know, ally with your friends and, like, have, like, an entire world to fight against, right? And then, yeah. like, one of the most memorable CK3 moments I had was, is I, I wooed and seduced friend of the cast Nick's <laughs> wife and he assassinated me and my son and my other son and my grandson, right? Like... <laughs> Or that one time we all went to Crusade together and we lost. You never lose the Crusades, you know? Normally when you go Crusading, you conquer a bunch of shit. But we all were like, hey, do you guys want to go Crusade? Yeah, sure. We all signed up for it. I sent like 37,000 troops and we got fucking curb stopped. And we were all just like, what do we do about this? How did this happen? Yeah, like, but, like, but, but the Paradox games are designed to handle that, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah. the worst that happens <laughs> is somebody loses, and you pause the game, and they pick a different person to play as, right? Like, yeah, you know, yep, um, true. Uh, and so I've always found that those types of games more more compelling. And like Stellaris, um, Stellaris has that functionality too, but it's also not as much of a problem. That's like, part of the thing I like about about like the Paradox games is like you know, you know. You and you, me and Nick play for like six hours, and it's like Josh shows up. And he's like, "Can I play?" He's like, "Sure." We pause the game, and he jumps into a, a civilization. Right? Yeah, and he chooses whoever, right? And yeah. can just kind of like take over and make their empire do what he wants. Yeah, no, and like you know, and if somebody misses the thing, right? Like you can just kind of let that AI control their empire, yeah. and then they come back, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Because the AI sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a little bit rougher with Stellaris, but with uh, but with um, Crusader Kings and whatnot, like you know, things work out, right? Like, um, yeah. But yeah, um, okay. Yeah, no. I, well, so one last thing I want to say about this is like sure, I sure, wonder sure, sure, sure. if like there's this pushback towards the Civ likes because it's like these games are always kind of like a niche game and like Civilization has relatively broad appeal. I wonder if it's like you know Paradox and um, Humankind, whoever the devs were there, um, are just like. Trying to cap or like um, endless legend is that like the, the 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 so the endless legend are the humankind devs oh are they okay yeah I'm pretty sure the people who made endless legend endless space made humankind okay I think like, they're owned by Sega okay because like endless 
endless space and endless legend and like galactic civilization there's another space one that i'm thinking of that I oh yeah 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 galactic civilization 3 is like or i think it's actually at four now galactic yeah. civilization 4 is like so like computationally intense that you need to have like an incredibly powerful gpu just to like run the calculations on all of the math that's going on behind the scenes um I, that's like a famous thing about the galactic civilizations is that it's like constantly pushing your processor and shit to like its maximum capacity because <laughs> yeah. it's a, like it's such a complex simulation yeah no uh uh, maybe uh, there, there's a, there's a couple of different ones of these, right? But like, they all seem like you know, like um, I totally lost my my my. Or they have relatively broad base appeal, but like not as much. And so I'm like, I wonder if like the the like kind of like the impetus here is like civilization has owned the bigger version of the space for a while. Um, Firaxis is weirdly going through some stuff, right? Like. Uh, um, cause like the, the guy, the, the, I think it's like the XCOM guy left, um, after Midnight Suns. Um, uh, and, uh, and so like, maybe it's like, well, Paradox is like, well, we're a company that does strategy games. Maybe we can get a slice of that civilization pie. Um, yeah. uh, and humankind obviously too. is like, maybe we can get a. The funny thing is, is that, uh, this, there's like drama associated with this. Cause there are. I did not know this. There is a fan war that has been raging for like years, apparently, between Paradox games, like Paradox fans and Civ fans. Um, and there are a lot of fans of uh, Civilization who hate the Paradox titles. Um, and there are a lot of Paradox fans who are a little bit like me, I would probably say, um, who are, uh, you know, who really dislike the. Um, uh, who really dislike civilization. And, uh, and that's just like a really interesting, I, I like, it, it was so interesting when I was looking up what people were saying about millennia that I actually found myself really embroiled in this kind of like fan war, uh, because the Civ fans sort of think that they're being like poached or pandered to, and they have this like brand loyalty. And it also has pissed off the paradox fans because they see it as like a weird betrayal. So sort of nobody is happy with millennia. I also just think that like, there's a lot of people who think it doesn't look good, which to be fair, it doesn't look great. It seems like there's a lot of, um, I don't know, not great textures and shit like that. Uh, but like one of Paradox's biggest communities is Hearts of Iron 4. And the Hearts of Iron 4 community like rallied in anger about the announce of Millennia as like the next title. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't, I don't understand why they're angry about it, right? Like it's like, you know, it's not, it's not, again, it's not a core. It's not like, you know, people who could have been developing Hearts of Iron 5 or like, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Euro Middle East simulator, which would be like a theoretical post Hearts of Iron game, right? Like, it's not like those people are being pulled away to work on Millennia. It's just like Millennia, right? Like, God, could you imagine if we got like a, what would you, what would it even look like? It would have to look like Democracy 3. Do you know Democracy? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. are like, uh, you know, um, uh, like a, a Cold War game would be interesting. Um, yeah. With, like, spies and, like, espionage. Honestly, yeah. that would be pretty interesting. And you could maybe do the Gulf War. People like arrows on maps for the Gulf War, right? Um, but Yeah, I, I mean, the, just, the, problem, the problem is there wasn't anything that was, like... Like, I don't think you can go from Hearts of Iron, which is global, to, like... Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. like to, like, you know, a thing that's, like, very, like, regional, regionally focused, right? Like, I get... Like, again, I think the only thing that's, like in a constant enough state of turmoil to really work would be the Middle East, and that's probably a little too hot-button to, like, 
make a game about. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that is one of the one of the weird things about the last, I guess, 80 years at this point, right? You know, that uh, since the end of the Second World War, that we have lived in an unprecedented era of global peace. Yeah, like, I mean, I, maybe you could do, like, a Vicky, Vicky style, like, you know, like, it's mostly about economics, and, like, mm. war is kind of, like, a secondary thing um, that, like, you don't really do that often, right? It's just kind of, like, you know, maybe you send, you send, like, forces out to do, like, proxy stuff, like, United you know, you could do, like, the proxy war in Afghanistan, right? Like... Or, like, Vietnam, I guess, technically, yeah, you could yeah. kind of cover in something like this. I don't know. It's different because, like, you know, the, the economic stuff is definitely interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, you, I don't you, know how, you, like, how I would it do it. Is, is, like, it also represents, like, the between now and, or between now and World War II is, like, while there's definitely national character, a lot of the interesting stuff isn't happening at the national level, right? Like, if you're playing in the United States, you just, like, are you, like, effectively playing as, like, you know, Microsoft and, like, IBM? Yeah, and, like, yeah, exactly. Ford, right? Like, um, that would be an interesting game, though. It's, like, playing as, like, a corporation, I guess. Um, uh, but, like, you also don't, you know, it's not, you know, as much as you can, like, make, like, jokes, it's not like, you know, it's not like Ford was fighting, you know, GM in the streets for like market share. Right? Yeah, like, like at that point, you're, it's almost like you're playing like game dev tycoon. Right? Yeah, you know, like that's a tycoon game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. yeah. Um, Should add a tycoon game to to Paradox so that you can take a break from Vicky to go play the tycoon game. You could you could take over, you know, whatever like U.S. Steel or something inside of Vicky, <laughs> and then come back out and play like a political leader. That'd yeah. be wild. Um. But yeah, no, I think that's why that's why that's why Stellaris, Stellaris is like the 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 kind of end of that line is because at that level planets do kind of congeal into like a thing you can be like even if like theoretically there's like some economic system underlying all of it, it doesn't really matter you can like abstract that away enough that people don't really care about it. Yeah, um, you know, there's a board game called Acquire. Have you ever heard of Acquire? Sounds familiar. It's uh, it's a board game. It's just like by a board game company. I can't remember. It's like the same people who do Axis and Allies and Diplomacy and all those games. Um, they they have this game. It's a board game. It's called Acquire, and the idea is you are running a business, um, and you're competing for like market share and all this other sort of stuff. Um, I have never played it, but I do like know of it as like a famous you know like board game. I guess essentially. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely ways to do it. Like, okay, I'm looking at Acquire. It looks very abstracted. Um, like I, I have yeah, played, it's got to be right. I've played Brass Birmingham, which is like it's like steam, it's like Victorian era, I think. It's but it's like okay. steam rail stuff, and it's industrialist focused, um, uh, and that's like it, it tends to hew to theme a little bit better. But uh, you know, um, but yeah, I played Puerto Rico, which which has some of this in it. But the, th the thing is, is like everything has to be like abstracted to the to the nines, otherwise it doesn't like make sense. Um, yeah yeah um yeah but uh we're over the hour uh how was your uh how was your week uh it was pretty good how was uh how was your week buddy how you doing uh it's been good i guess i guess you're throwing it to me then uh i am still playing uh street fighter oh i did not mean to do that but <laughs> i guess i did do that <laughs> uh i've been i've been still been playing street fighter 6 i've bounced back under uh, I've bounced back and forth over the the platform line a couple of times now, um, 
but you know that means I'm at about the right level and as I get better I'll keep going up um, I've been playing more cyberpunk uh, it's kind of going through that game at like some level I'm kind of at the like uh, I should just kind of push and finish this game because like um, the side like the the actual gameplay moment to moment isn't as compelling to me anymore um, uh, what else um, yeah uh, I can't really say I, like, I didn't watch a ton of stuff this week um, I finished like I said I finished the down the rabbit hole uh, for Eve which was I think super fascinating I highly recommend everybody go watch that um, it was fun like did, did you, have you ever played Eve um no but I know a lot about it. I have even even the game I've like watched a lot of YouTube videos about. I guess uh, the Down the Rabbit Hole is a good example of that. Yeah, but uh, like I have played a lot of, or I have tried to get into Eve, like um, uh, a handful of times, and every time I do, it's kind of like this is not compelling to me. Um, like the thing that makes that game so interesting on like a bigger scale is the thing that makes it kind of unapproachable, which is like you have to like literally spend like most of your free time uh in it. hello orion <laughs> what's know, up little boy i don't know if you guys Say have heard it but, but mr collins has been meowing at me i think he wants me to <laughs> i have not heard it unfortunately <laughs> either wants me to feed him or leave so he can poop without me seeing um his name is mr collins <laughs> yeah uh, i did not know that um okay get down little boy but uh, yeah, like it's a it's like a super interesting system. It's just like like one that like basically one of those things where it's like when like one of the things that I was interested in Eve was arbitration, and I did that for a little while. I was kind of like, what's the point? And like basically, my desire to do things in Eve turned into like a desire to just like learn about the real stock market and make real money. So like that's that's. <laughs> That's kind of the substitution effect there. Not that I'm a particularly like, skilled stock picker or anything, but uh, you know that's uh, that's like the yeah. That is actually, I guess, that is pretty interesting. I um, I have always liked even the same way that I liked Foxhole um, when we talked about Foxhole, like uh, not not that long ago, um, because the idea of this like persistent world and this persistent war um that is going on and that you can sort of like deal with um is is like super interesting it's the kind of thing that i just like i think a lot of people when they talk about their love of um mmos are talking about this thing right you know it's like god imagine if like me and my guild could go take 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 a town right and build stuff in that town and and control whatever and it's like eve and foxhole actually have the ability to give you that fantasy if that's if that's what you want basically um which i think is neat um i guess uh so yeah it's, i don't know it's neat but it's like not approachable it's not like a thing you can do like on a saturday right like you have to like yeah. be involved which i think is kind of like the big sticking point for me at least right it's like i don't want to spend you know all of my free time learning about like you know the current political situation in warfront or or what was, what's the name of it it's foxhole uh or in uh or you know or like navigating the internal politics of an evil alliance I want to just kind of go do something. And I think it's funny because I think the thing that really scratched some of those itches are like the survival crafting games. 
right? Like Minecraft. Yeah. Um, uh, Valheim um, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are things that you can like sit down in the afternoon and kind of do. Um, even without like, and if you want like some PVP aspects, there are some ways you can do that. But like, it's like, you know, um, I think that's the way that kind of has to be. Like if, if you want it to be approachable, you have to have like a resetting system. And like, I thought Crowfall had some interesting ideas there, but Crowfall fell apart. So, you know. Um, oh, did it? Yeah. I think it fell apart like a, a year ago. Um, I remember we talked about it a long time yeah. ago, but I never followed the news for it. Uh, Crowfall is offline. Uh, yeah. Rough. Uh, no, they, they, they did some cool stuff. Or they had some cool ideas, but, like, there just, like, wasn't there wasn't enough there, right? Like, um, but, like, the idea, part of their idea is that, like, the campaign worlds would work for, hello, uh, would, would work for, like, six months to a year, depending on the speed of it. And, like, you could pull stuff out of that into, like, the, into the overworld. But, um, uh, Crowfall in the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, but like the idea was that like, you know, the game would reset every six months or so. So it wasn't like you were permanently, um, locked out of it. Like you kind of are with like with Eve essentially. Right. Like, um, yeah. Like with Eve, there's nobody who's going to get, who's going to get as powerful as I, I want to call them goon squad, but they rebranded Imperium. The, they're the, the Imperium now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there, there are but like you, you could, but it would take a forever and a day. And the fact that you haven't been playing for the past 10 years is like a big detriment to it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I also think that this stuff makes for more interesting kind of like stories than it does for kind of like on the ground yeah. action, right? Like the idea that someone, um, the idea that someone spied and ingrained themselves in an enemy corporation and when all of the other officers of that corporation were online, that person kicked those other officers out of the out of the corporation, stole all of the money, and gave it to his master. You know, like the 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 person for whom he was buying. That's like an interesting or like funny story. But nobody actually wants to spend six months of their lives becoming friends with and lying to these people, such that they become that they get into a position to do that. Do you know what I mean? Um, that like it makes for a better twenty second tangent in a youtube video than it does a an actual facet of your life the thing that you do in play or like a like a what's it called like a like a piece like i remember reading that story the like the the golden guiding hand society story i remember reading about that in pc gamer and thinking that was so cool and then like yeah. you know booting up eve on live and being like i'm clicking on rocks right like uh and like you know maybe there is a version of it where like it would be like i did a do you remember there's oh there's this browser game called Nation States? Um, yeah, um, I remember Nation. I'm sorry, the you're talking about the JHU Nation States thing? Not a, uh, I, if it was at JHU, I wasn't part of it. I played it in high school. Oh, actually. okay. Um, I played it in, uh, in JHU, um, but like it was like this website, and like you could just kind of like play the game as as like you know solo, and no one would bother you. But like I got very involved in like one of the forums of kind of like the metagame, like where people actually like fought each other. And I had a lot of fun with that. And I just dropped out of it at some point. Um, uh, uh, but like, and that was fun to do for a while, but like, like there was, a, I will remember this. Cause like there was a picture of like, like a, a TI calculator knocking over a fan. And it was like the funniest thing in the world to me, but it was like such an in joke that like no one would un like, you know, 
uh, no one could understand it. Um, uh, but like, uh, and like that was a lot of my time, and I had fun with it. But like, I can't see myself going back and like I understand like why it, it compels some people. But like again, if I had that time, kind of time and energy and focus, I would put it into a thing that like benefited me in real life, right? Like, I would like. Yeah, like you know, I, I guess I guess that's that's the end stop, right? Like I, I don't... or yeah, I mean, to me, a lot of this just comes down to the theory is not worth the you know the juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? right? Something like wow is a little bit different because the squeeze is the fun part. Yeah. Rating itself, the act of rating, is fun, right? You know, doing your doing your rotation, parsing high, you know, even just the the thrill of beating a tough progression boss, right? That is the fun of the thing, and it is like the direct minute to minute actual sort of like gameplay. If there was a world in which like you could maybe combine that version of playing the game um, with this macro stuff. You, you could probably, like, solve world hunger with the amount of money that game would make. Like, it would be, it would be truly amazing. But part, of the, but part of the issue is that, like, someone is always kind of doing the, the for lack of a better term, kind of, like, bitch work, you know? If you're going to be part of an EVE corporation, you, you're working your way up from the mailroom. But the mailroom is a mining ship, and you just have to go and click on rocks and fill your mining ship and then take it back to base and then give it to your masters kind of thing, right? Um, and it's only the people who do that enough times that can, like, make, you know, make kind of, like, progress in these, in these like, macro kind of, like, corporation structures. Whereas, like, a WoW raiding guild has some similar, you know, kind of things, right? Like, you have people like me who will craft gear for people, um, or, you know, you'll have people who, like, Sir Peng's wife used to, like, all she did was played WoW, and she wanted to go and gather all of the food necessary in order to make feasts, and then she gave the feast to Sir Peng, and then Sir Peng would give the feast to us. That was her kind of contribution to the guild, right? Pretty, pretty simple. But, like, that's, like, a social network of, like, 30 people. Not a social network of like a thousand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I th I think, and I think that's the inscrutable part. I think part of it too is like, in order for it to be to stay fair, like the power has to kind of like do that kind of like you know logarithmic fall off thing, right? Like you know, somebody who puts in like you know like every marginal hour you put into the game has to give you less reward in order to keep like someone who only plays a little bit from not being so far out there on they can't play with people who play a lot right um and in that case you have like, like you said the squeeze has to be fun right like you really enjoy mythic plus right like you like push out your power by playing Mythic plus right like theoretically i could maybe push out my power by just continuously grinding world quests so that i get enough wormling dragon quests crests that i can convert them up into drakes that i can convert them up into like whatever the next level is and get enough of those so that I max out my gear at the heroic tier so that I can then start doing that whole thing again to get like the next level up. But like, that is so much grind that I'm not going to fucking do that. Right. Like, yeah. Know, if I really wanted to do that, I would like learn mythic plus and do that. Um, and I don't want to do that, which is totally fine. It's just kind of like, um, but I can still play. I can still like do heroic level the rating and have it not be a problem. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely very true, right? Like, when it comes to Mythic Plus, the, the best reward out of Mythic Plus, I think most people would say, is the mount, right? Um, you get a seasonal, you get a seasonal mount. And, um, I like, I, like, you get that mount at 1,500 um, rating, which is not 
hard. Two, uh, that, that's not a lot. It's 2,000 rating, which is like not that hard to achieve, right? You and I could do this. I could literally get you that mount today if I like if we wanted to. We uh, like we just go. We would blitz a bunch of these dungeons at like 18s, and I'm sure that like like somebody would get it. And then from there, the rewards get more and more sort of tapered off, right? Yeah. Um. You know, you have Keystone Hero. You have the portals, right? The portals to the dungeons are a weird mark of like. It's bragging rights. Something, but like it it matters so little. The thing about the portals, you teleport right to the dungeon. How great is that, right? But. When most of the dungeons are not, like, you know, the Dragonflight, Dragon, like, world dungeons, you just, they have a thing called the Timeways, where you walk into the thing, and there are portals to the zones where each of the dungeons are. And to be fair, those portals let you out a little bit further than the portals you get from completing the dungeons at a, at a Keystone, like, 20. But, like, at most, like, you're saving, like, two minutes of, like maybe loading screen and flying, right? Like, it's just not that hard. You are just not saving that much time by getting the portals. I guess, technically, the best version of this is that if a dungeon rolls back into the rotation and you happen to have the portal for it, it's nice that you start with the portal from day one, right? So, for instance, when Shadowlands comes back around, I'm going to have a bunch of the Shadowlands portals on Baron. That's going to be neat. I'm going to be able to do Shadowlands dungeons on Baron with portals, that I earned three, like two or three years ago. Maybe that's the best thing. But like even then, if somebody doesn't have the fucking portals, it just it takes them, you know, three minutes instead of twenty seconds to get to the dungeon, which is just like not that big of a deal. And then you also have Keystone Hero, which is twenty five hundred rating, which all that does is give you the unlockable uh, cosmetic effect of the mythic. Uh, raid appearance. I don't know if you know about this. Um, you know how mythic appearances typically have different VFX on them, yeah, yeah. like associated with them? You can get that in Mythic Plus, you can get that in, in PvP, and basically you just get to a high enough level in either one of those. Um, you get a little item, and you click that item, and it gives you the access to that VFX package, right? It basically clones the... the it gives you a, another set of armor that has the VFX package on applied to it immediately. Like for every for every item you have of the of the thing, it like it gives you like one of the whatever things. And it's like that's cool, but like this stuff like ultimately doesn't matter. The the top of the top end, they get a they get a title. That's like the that's like the very like high end thing. I would say that that is a that is like a logarithmic distribution curve of rewards right. for something like Mythic Plus, um, which definitely is in keeping with kind of what you're describing when it comes to um, I don't know. When it comes to Eve. It doesn't come to Eve, right? Like, it is not quite so logarithmic, and that's, like, you know, part of the problem. Yes, right? I'm sorry. Well, how you are describing yeah. the, the what the mechanics of Eve should theoretically be like. I yeah, guess, um, and, then, and then the the problem there is, like, is if you don't, like, have, like, these big systems to interact with, then people, like, get bored, and you have to give them more content, right? Like, um, right? Like, if, if it was just Dragonflight for another nine years, right, like, you and I would probably fall off probably within like a year, right? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, like, we're we're kind of, I don't know, you know, you went into maintenance mode earlier this year. I've kind of just been getting on for raids and some other little stuff. Like, there's like a couple of like story beats that I want to hit, but I just haven't had the time to because I wanted to do other things. So, yeah, yeah, that was me for basically all of 10.1, right? I barely played that patch. I played, uh, a middle amount in the beginning. I probably played the first like three or four weeks of it, and then um, kind of went instantly into um, 
uh, just kind of logging on for Raid and that's it. And even then, this was like right around the release of Estrella. I wasn't even logging in for Raid at the end of it. I just kind of like came and guest starred when it came to the when it came to like the final push to get to get AOTC. Um, I feel like we're getting close to that point now, right? It has been 10 weeks since the patch came out. And to be fair, I've still played a lot of WoW, right? But part of what I'm doing now is I'm like pushing for like rating. I'm like one of the top 100 arms warriors in the world right now. Um, or maybe in the region. I don't remember if it's region or world I'm looking for. Um, you know, like I'm the top warrior on the server, stuff like that. It's like, you know. Yeah. At a, at a certain point, you kind of have to compartmentalize, I guess I would say, your um, your your focus or, excuse me, your sort of interest. Yeah. Um, did, did you watch, watch the Super Bowl? I did not watch the Super Bowl. Uh, I was in Mythic Plus chat with Dave while Dave was watching the Super Bowl. So I did hear about the heroic, you know, end of the the super bowl i guess just um, like the script writers demanded no uh just yeah yeah exactly um but yeah no it was it was a it was a fun watch um uh i kind of like half watched it while i did other stuff until like the end when it was like oh stuff's doing pretty uh getting pretty like tight at the end here it was it was a it was a fun watch the commercials were okay um i really liked the michael Sarah commercial that was probably my favorite one um uh, speaking of of certain things that we've been talking about all night, um, the one that everybody was talking about that like uh, I thought was hilarious is Volkswagen did a commercial, right? And they started in the 1940s, and everybody was like, "What?" Were, and just like in New York, it's like, "What were you doing in the 1940s, Volkswagen?" <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> and like they moved forward through history. But it's like, why would you start it in the 40s? Right? Like, um, my favorite. Wow. My, my favorite was a tweet. It was like it's just a picture of was Nathan Fielder is like so we're gonna do a Volkswagen commercial and start in the <laughs> <laughs> Um are you happy? What what are what are your what are your thoughts? I wanted the Chiefs to win because I'm sorry, it was the Chiefs who won, right? Yes. Okay. I wanted the Chiefs to win because I wanted Taylor Swift's boyfriend to win. <laughs> Mostly because I thought it would be funny that's it i just think i just think it's funny that like taylor swift has become the like focal point of this whole thing so um i also was vaguely rooting for the chiefs also because of travis kelchi um i've had travis kelchi on my fantasy football team for the past um uh like three or four years um i'm sorry um, my cat decided to stop meowing at me and uh, take a big shit, and it smells really bad. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Holy... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it's okay. We can we can wrap. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get there. I'll I'll be, I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, so I have had Travis Kelce on my fantasy football team for the past couple of years. He did not do as well for me this year. Um, basically, my my strategy when doing fantasy football is typically look for high differentiation players. Like I, I have had Travis Kelce for the past four years. Um, this year I had good picks. And so I got him. He was like the number one draft pick this year. Um, like generally like in like bias ESPN's um, rankings, but previously he wasn't, but I would always pick him up early because he was always that much better than like the second and third ranked tight ends, uh, tight ends. And so I'd be like, I will sacrifice having a, um, actually, you know, I would usually pick up like a first tier wide receiver or running back as my first, 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 maybe second pick. But like, I'll sacrifice having a less good 
uh, or I was sacrificed having a better wide wide receiver running back two in favor of having the best tight end, and that has worked very well for me. Um, I I won my league last year. I barely like I, I did not even make the playoffs this year, um, and so because of that, I had Travis Kelce for a while. And I wanted him to win because I thought he was you know like because of that. Um, um, not because of any kind of like deeper stuff about like his relationship with Taylor Swift or whatever, just because. Yeah, I just think I think his relationship with Taylor Swift is just like funny on a narrative level. Um, I it, it amuses me the way that people talk about it on social media, and I just kind of like I don't really know how this happened, but just like it's it, it is truly. Uh, that, did you see all the High School Musical gifts or like videos? No. Okay, I don't know how I ended up on this version of Twitter last night. My Twitter was full of videos from High School Musical, which is a story about a, um, like, the musical is happening and the basketball, the star player on the basketball team secretly loves music or whatever. This is Zac Efron. Um, and, uh, and I guess it's Vanessa Hutchins, Selena Gomez, one of the two Disney ingenues, right, um, who um, are you know just like is the is like the star of the of the musical and they have this like you know they have this romance or whatever um but it's just like it maps so perfectly onto taylor swift and travis kelsey because he's the, i'm sorry is it kelchi i i'm not sure actually it's either kelchi whatever this kelchi. guy whoever this guy is i don't even know i like i don't pay i don't i don't, I don't even care to learn okay uh just like the idea of this this star football player right and the most popular pop singer in the world i guess and it's just I don't, there's something about that that i just find so fucking amusing that i just i don't know I just really wanted the the fairy tale ending, okay? Though he didn't propose on the field, which is what Dave mm-hmm. predicted. Dave was like, if if Travis Kelsey wins the Super Bowl and proposes to Taylor Swift on the field, we'll know it's rigged. Uh, so appar- so so the answer to your question is apparently the way it's supposed to be pronounced is Kels. Neither Kelsey nor Kelsey. It's supposed to be Kels. That's so disappointing. That's like the worst possible version of the answer. Oh. Yeah. Uh, hey, I have one more question for you. How was fucking World War II battleships or whatever? Oh, oh yes, yes that. Uh, so uh, uh, as Buddy knows, because I posted it in one of our mutual discords. I played, um, I play war game miniatures, and the group met on Friday. I ended up playing a World War II battleships game. Um, uh, uh, the people like. I love this group because the people I'm playing with, like, they're just, like, sitting, like, the one guy sitting there just, like, rambling off facts about, because, like, the, about the specific ships, because we were playing, like, a specific scenario. It was, like, um, <laughs> the English versus the French Merchant Marine, which is, like, a whole thing. It's, like, an early, early, like, 1940 or 41. It's, like, a very early battle. Um, that's, like, okay. post-German occupation, but the French Merchant Marine isn't technically Vichy. It's just kind of, like, a French pride thing or something. But it's, like, uh, like, uh, like a half dozen or no, like, like 10 to 12 destroyers versus like a couple of bigger battleships. And you just like, you know, move your ships around and you fire at each other. Um, and like a lot of these games are like based in like a written set of rules that, that like the, the people who are running the games have like put a little bit of like their own spin on. And so like talking through the way things work and they're like, sometimes they're like very complex, like, you know, like this ship has like you know primary guns and secondary guns and uh you know two of them are mounted in the front and two of them mounted in the aft 
And so, like, you have to, like, do a broadside if you want to shoot with all four of them, whereas the French one has all eight guns in the front, so it doesn't have to do that. And, like, uh, and some of them have torpedoes that you have to launch out of the side. And, like, you know, if you're firing from this way, you roll this many D6s and you have to get a six up. And if you're this far away, you have to roll, get a four up. Oh, my up. God. Yeah. This actually sounds like, this actually sounds, like, so perfect for me. Because I do know, like, a lot of these, like, dumb facts about, like, World War II battles when I became, like, obsessed with World War II. Like, imagine playing, like, the Battle of Midway or something. I'm sure there's, like, rule. Like, one of the famous things about the Battle for Midway the Japanese turned one of their aircraft carriers into essentially a floating bomb, okay? Because they were, um, they had two different kinds of ordnance. They had um, uh, air-to-ship and air-to-air ordnance. And, uh, and basically, the question was, are we deploying our fighters to attack enemy aircraft carriers or are we deploying our fighters to defend our aircraft carriers? And the order got made that they needed to refit for I think it was air to air, so they took all these bombs off of the the Japanese zeros basically, but they didn't have time to store them properly below deck, so they were just sitting right below that like the hangar floor. They're just like sitting right below, um, and they were also doing all this refueling. So there's like gigantic pumps of gasoline that are constantly like fueling up these you know these um, these uh, Japanese zeros and an American dive bomber who's actually from. New Jersey, uh, and I can't remember his. I think his name is Dick Best. Scored a scored a hit, and the the hit explode ignited the gasoline, which exploded, which ignited all of that ordinance, which just destroyed like the whole aircraft carrier. It's like you could have rules for all of that shit, which would be awesome. <laughs> his name is Dick Best. I'm pretty sure his name is Dick Best. Hold on, I'm sorry. He's super famous. Um, Richard Halsey Best, uh, a dive bomber pilot and squadron commander in the United States Navy. Um, yeah, the thing that is crazy, the thing that is like crazy about him, he sank two Japanese aircraft carriers. We, we sank four in the Battle of Midway. He sank two Japanese aircraft character, carriers in the same battle, which is wild, right? Like truly insane, like absolutely incredible stuff. Yeah, he's from Bayonne. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, you know, so. People have like incredible names, and you know you just kind of like, <laughs> okay, I guess that's I guess that's yeah. real. Um, but yeah, no ships were, ships were super fun. The group super fun. Unfortunately, um, I'm not gonna be able to go because next one's during PAX, um, and then the one after that I'm I'm also busy during. But uh, rough. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Um, are you excited? Are you excited for PAX? I am so excited for PAX. I have. Do you, do you, do you have any big plans? Uh, my big plans are to, like, play stupid magic decks. <laughs> I do need to buy a bunch of sing singles for my magic deck, because uh, I started looking and I see a bunch of neat Eureka, Eureka stuff that I can pull up, um, and I might make a new deck. I kind of want to. See, I have my I have my cap and sack. Like, I haven't put it together yet, because I need to, like, make some decisions. But I have, like, what I've got, uh... Here, here, I've, I've got Sauron, the lid, oh my god. Yeah, I know you're going to be mad about this, but I've got Sauron, the lidless eye. <laughs> the lidless eye. What a good name. Uh, yeah, and this is like, there is there is a blue-black-red version of him. Uh, this is the oh, red-black okay. version of him. It's like Sauron. That's, like that's cool. I like red-black as colors a lot, but I feel like the red-black color scheme is always like, you know, like the, like the, the traditional Rakdos version of red-black is like very like sacrifice resources thing, which is like not a fun archetype to play, I find, in most scenarios. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've told you what my strategy is. It's like, you know, mind control yeah. and sacrifice. So I've got a similar one. De 
the Beast Deathless Prince, which I think is another, I think it's like a Doctor Who card. Um, oh, okay. Um, which is like, it's a bad card, but it's on theme. Um, I've got Jory the Master of the Review. I've got a bunch, like I all these decks, I have like a bunch of cards that could be the commander that I like, you know, I've got the one that I intend to be the commander, but like if I want to switch it out at some point. Um, but yeah, um, apparently they just updated the commander ban list. Um, nothing uh, super, uh, super, uh, what's it called? Uh, mind blowing on there. Just uh -huh. like, you know, some of the more oppressive cards. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for packs because I've got that. I'm supposed to cosplay one of the days. With my girl, I'm going to cosplay one of the girl days. With my girlfriend, my girlfriend's putting together a pink ghost costume, and I'm going to be Captain Price. So I'm going to shave this and have the hat. Oh my I need, god! I need to. I need to put together the to get like better versions of the costume stuff. I have. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, also excited to see you in person. Excited to see the Aquapara booth. Uh, you guys yeah. are doing a booth this year, right? I assume you must mm -hmm. be. You're hiring people, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I am super excited. Uh, I'm super excited for that. Are you? So. Are you guys? Are Are you? I know every year you're like, maybe I won't work this year, and I'll just go and have fun. I assume you're working again this year. I am working again this year. Um, I am working again this year. I um, am also. Uh, but I'm also going to be spending a lot of time away from the booth. I have a lot of, like, I'm kind of like the business guy in the ground. Okay. So I'm going to be meeting with a lot of the developers and other publishers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Well. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll let you get out of the cat shit, I guess, Yeah, buddy, thank you. you know? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, if you got anything else to talk about, we'll uh, close this out. Uh, if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us some dirt games gmail.com or podcast.com you can follow us at twitch.tv slash games or youtube.com slash add some games where these go out live um rate review us on wherever you find podcasts um all the links down in the description buddy do you have anything else you're looking to promote you know i have nothing else i'm looking to promote i do want to mention that i played a crypt master did you see this the crypt master dnd stream i plugged it last week on the podcast right here i did not i saw that it went up i did not watch it yeah, it, we're we're putting up like an edited version on YouTube, so you will be able to you will be able to see it. It was crazy. We got a lot of people liked it a lot. Uh, it was super fun. We you know we're in Crypt Master. You're the 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 characters you're playing are zombies, right? Uh, so the very first thing is I my body was not on my head. Um, and I had to go and pick up my head and kind of like splotch it onto my body. And then, uh, I guess, I don't know, spoiler alert for anybody who wants to remain unspoiled at the end of the adventure, there was like a, there's like a magic field. And I was like, okay, well I take my head, I pop it off my body. I put it on like the bench next to me. And then I walk my body through the magic field and it vaporized my body. <laughs> I was, I was like, I can't, I couldn't have better walked into that. That was like so funny. <laughs> was it, was it, uh, was it in 5e like rules? Was that was like, or was mm -hmm. it okay? Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Okay. Well, uh, look for that, I guess. And then I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>